The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. That is correct. Employment Law Show, John Scholes here. Alex Luchaferro is doing all the heavy lifting, answering your questions. If you're tucked away nicely, you got access to a phone and you can call us. This is the time to uh, make that happen. Reach out to Alex any other time. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca and 1-855-821-5900. On the show today, we're going to get to employment contracts. What you need to know. That's coming down in just a bit uh, between your phone calls and everything else. So yeah, lines are open. Let's get it going. Alex, what do you got for the case of the day, brother? What's happening? Hey, Johnny. Thanks very much. Always great to be here. A real pleasure. And as you said, we're live on the air until 7 o'clock to answer any any questions our listeners have about employment law, about workplace rights, really anything and everything to do with your job. If you have questions about your rights as an employee, this is the time, this is the place. We're ready to talk, ready to answer any questions you have about what's going on in your workplace. Whether those questions, John, are severance-related or maybe your employer is making a big change at work. Maybe they're changing your position or they're changing your pay structure. Or maybe you're just in a bad situation with another employee or with a boss. You're being bullied at work. Or you're not being treated well. Really, whatever the situation is, everyone needs to know about their workplace rights. It's so extremely important. Of course, we, we spend the majority of our time at work, and it's quite common that despite everybody's best ef- efforts, conflicts arise, disputes between employers and employees happen. And it's important to know how to handle those situations. Our employment laws, as we speak every week, uh, John, our employment laws in Ontario are actually quite clear. They're quite robust. They're quite favorable to employees. But, you, but you know, the law can't help you if you don't know what the law is and the way it works. And that is exactly what we're here to do. We're here to inform people about their workplace rights. We're here to help people resolve their workplace problems. So let's get started. As you mentioned, we always start the show off with uh, the case of the day, as we call it. Talk about a matter that came across my desk uh, just today. I wanted to talk about a particular matter. John, I spoke to a very nice lady earlier this afternoon. uh, And I wanted to talk about this matter, not because it's kind of extremely rare and uncommon, but it's, you know, an example of really the kind of conversation we have every day and a conversation uh, that is, uh, you know, effectively uh, going to give this uh, lady, uh, lots of additional financial security uh, and lots of additional time uh, in order to find her next job. Spoke to a, a, a lady, uh, John. She was uh, in her early 50s, had been with the same company for about 12 years, working in an, admin- an administrative position. She was a coordinator uh, of sorts. And unfortunately, as a result of restructuring within the company, and we're hearing this lots nowadays, John, lots of employers are trimming uh, their staff, they're reorganizing their departments. Unfortunately, that means uh, that people are losing their jobs. And this uh, lady's uh, position was one of those positions affected. Her job was gone. Effectively, she was let go from her employment. Uh, and in terminating her, John, her employer offered her 26 weeks of pay. So 26 weeks, of course, is six months of pay. It's half a year's worth of pay. And this lady contacted us as hundreds and thousands of people do on a regular basis, John, to find out whether a 26-week offer for someone of her age, position, and years of service was appropriate, whether it was a reasonable offer or not. And what I told this uh, lady, as we tell many employees that we speak with in these kinds of situations, is 
Well, the offer might very well be half of what she is actually owed. It might be 50 cents on the dollar. Again, I mentioned, John, this lady was in her early 50s in an administrative position, making pretty good money, uh, mind you, for 12 years with the same employer. Her severance entitlements, John, are not one or two weeks per year of service. They're not 26 weeks. Her severance entitlements are going to be 12 months of pay, one year of pay. That is the most likely severance period that she would end up receiving, and she's been offered half of that. Not only was she offered only half of of her income for that period of time, uh, John, her benefits coverage and her pension contributions were only continuing for a couple of months beyond her termination. And that's incorrect as well. Uh, Benefits coverage, pension contributions, bonus amounts. Again, we go over these things every single week, pretty much, uh, uh, John. All of these various components of an employee's compensation should be continuing for the full severance period. So not only had this employer offered her half, 50 cents on the dollar of what she's actually owed, but she's going to be owed a year's pay based on all components of her compensation, including her salary, including her benefits coverage, which is important to her. She had two young children, uh, and as well her pension contributions, which in and of themselves are going to be worth thousands of dollars. So we're going to be working with this lady to get her her severance entitlements, uh, uh, John, again, I, you know, I uh, made this my case of the day, not because this is rare, not because this is the kind of wild, complicated situation. No, not at all. We see these situations every single day, John. And the good news is that these situations are actually quite easy to resolve. These severance analyses aren't complicated. They're not contentious. Uh, it's probably going to take a few weeks to get the right severance period for this uh, woman. And I'll update you in a couple of weeks' time to to see how it goes. I imagine it's not going to be overly complicated. Love it. Let's grab a quick call before we break. Uh, brother, Mary, how are you? Thanks for hanging on. What's your question? Uh, hi. Um, uh, hi, I'm 57, and we're working for a bank. Uh, and for uh, before, um, I mean, five months ago, they started the hybrid method. And uh, right now, um, after three years working from home, I have some health issue that I won't be able to commute. It's a long commute for me, and I, I'm with this bank for the last 23 years. So what are the options that um, I can work from home, continue to work from home? It's, it's a very uh, good question, Mary, and an important question, obviously, if you're having difficulty commuting to work. Did you mention that during the pandemic you were working from home? Yes. So clearly, you're able to do your position, you do your job from from home yes. if uh, that's required. So this is a situation, Mary, where your employer needs to accommodate you because of a health condition. So what you need to do is you need to get a note from your doctor confirming exactly in as much detail as possible what kind of accommodation you need. If the accommodation is work from home. Then you're employ- and you are able to work from home, and it's not a, an impediment to do your job. Then your employer should be required should be required should allow you to work from home. That's just one example. Perhaps there are other examples of accommodations. Maybe you can have a more flexible schedule in order to accommodate your your commute or your health condition. There could be a number of other solutions. But if it's because of a health condition, your employer has to play ball here. Mary, they cannot simply say, oh, no, sorry, you know, if you can't, if you can't do the commute, then you, you can't work. We're not paying you. It's not that easy. 
for the employer. I would speak to my doctor about what kind of accommodations are required and then speak to your employer about it, provide them the doctor's note. If you have trouble, Mary, give us a call at the office. Let's have a call, let's have a conversation off air and we can solve the matter that way. Actually, the, the doctor's note uh, is given and the doctor strictly said that, uh, you know, I'm not in a person to travel and still they're forcing us to come. Yeah. That's a problem. See, that is that is a failure to accommodate on the employer's uh, uh, part. I would call them out on that, uh, Mary. And uh, at that point, we probably do have to have a conversation off air because there are steps that we can take to uh, make the employer aware, shall we say, of their obligation in, in that respect. So if they're not playing ball, that is a problem. This is not a complicated uh, situation, right? If you're able to work from home and that's what your health requires, then you should be able to do it. Your employer should allow you to do it. Again, John, I'll give you the number. Give us a call off air. Let's have a chat. Uh, in confidence and in more detail. Thanks, Mary. That number, yeah, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll take a short break. Get back to the phone calls and our topic for the day: employment contracts. What you need to know. Employment law show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And welcome back to it. Yeah, Alex Luchaferro is your guy for the remaining time here tonight. You want to reach out and uh, make that phone call, ask some questions. You are invited to do so. Employment contracts, what you need to know. Number one, what are employment contracts, Alex, and why are they so damn important? You'd think it's a, it's an easy question to answer, John, but I mean, yeah. employment contracts, I mean, we, you know, very obviously it's a document, right, uh, that an employee typically signs when they start employment or even perhaps, and we'll probably talk about it at some point during the course of an employee's employment, uh, and, and so, you know, of course, that's what an employment contract is. But it's important to note an employment contract can take many forms. It couldn't be an employee handbook, John, right? It can be some sort of employee manual. It can be uh, a bonus policy, for example. All of these documents potentially can form part of the contract between an employer and employee. And what that contract does, of course, and why it's so important is because it sets out the basic rules of the game. It sets out the various rights and obligations that employers and employees have to each other in the context of an employment uh, relationship. And an employment contract, John, I'm sure we'll get into it, can allow an employer to do certain things uh, without any recourse on the part of the employee. Uh, or on the other hand, it could give employees certain rights, certain protections that an employer has to abide by. So again, it's kind of the rules of engagement, the rules of the game, so to speak, but importantly, it could take many forms, right? It could be an offer letter, right, that you get when you first start employment. It could be a more formal contract or employment agreement. It could be in the form of an employee handbook or an employee manual. Uh, and there could be different components to an employment contract. Again, there could be a bonus policy or there could be lots of different policies about various issues in the workplace. All of those documents potentially form part of ultimately the employment contract between employee and employer. Verbal. Written, which one carries more weight? What do you prefer? Or which one's a no-no? Yeah, listen, I actually, you know, ultimately a verbal agreement can be just as binding as a written agreement. Uh, uh, John, you know, a verbal contract is a thing. As much as people perhaps don't think it is, there is such a thing as a verbal contract and a verbal agreement. Of course, the problem with any kind of verbal contract or verbal agreement is that it is open to interpretation and it's open to disagreement 
And the beauty of a document, the beauty of having something in writing, is that you have evidence of it, of course. It's in black and white, literally what the parties have agreed to and, you know, uh, what rights employees have and what rights employers have. When When there is a verbal contract at play, when it's just a handshake and off you go, it is kind of left for, some issues are left for interpretation. Now, as I said, John, I actually don't mind that at all because when there is no written agreement, an employee is going to be afforded all of the protections that the law provides for them. So it's not as if every single employee uh, employment right or employment standard has to be written into a contract. No, an employee by default, let's say, has many protections and many rights at law. I'll give you one example quickly. Uh, the only way that an employer can implement a temporary layoff to an employee, and we speak about temporary layoffs, John, again, uh, very often, and it was a very popular topic in the context of COVID-19 and the pandemic and all the layoffs that happened during that period. But the principle remains that the only way in which an employer, one of the only ways in which an employer can temporarily lay off an employee is if it's written into an employment agreement. If there is no such clause or provision in an employment agreement allowing an employer to temporarily lay the employee off, the employee is afforded the protection of being able to dispute that temporary layoff. In other words, if it's a verbal agreement, John, and the employer tries to lay the employee off, the employee can say, no, I don't agree to the layoff. Either keep me employed or let me go and pay me severance. That's a protection that's afforded to employees under a verbal agreement when there's absolutely no written document and no term regarding temporary layoffs, right? So my general point there is sometimes a handshake and off we go into this employment relationship will afford an employee actually their maximum protections and their full protections under the law. And that's why I don't necessarily mind not having an employment contract uh, in the context of an employment relationship. When it comes to severance, for example, that employee is going to be well set. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about employment contracts, what you need to know. Can a termination clause in an employment contract impact how, impact how much severance uh, you're owed, or does it all depend on how it's uh, how it's written and laid out in, in said contract? What do you think? Yeah, so so this is another example, John, of, you know, we were just talking about temporary layoff provisions. Certainly, what an employment contract could do for an employer, uh, right, is uh, allow them to limit how much severance an employee is owed. So when we talk about a termination clause, what we're talking about there is a paragraph or a couple of lines in an employment contract that speak to what an employee would be owed when it comes to severance, when it comes to the end of their employment. And I mean, the answer to your question, uh, John, is yeah, potentially. Potentially a termination clause in an employment contract can limit an employee's severance entitlement. Now, very importantly, that termination clause, that termination language in an employment agreement needs to be so carefully written, so carefully drafted. It has to be perfect to the word. John, even the use of one wrong word, even the use of one wrong phrase could render the termination provision unenforceable. To the point, John, that honestly, if your employment contract is more than a year old, there is a 90% chance probably that it's unenforceable. Uh, So the the odds are extremely high that even if there is a termination clause in an employment contract, if it's an older contract, chances are it's not going to be enforceable. And what that means, John, we we actually, you know, from an employee's point of view, if if the termination provision in your employment contract is unenforceable, then again, we default to this position 
where you're going to be owed your maximum severance entitlements based on your age, position, and years of service. My, my kind of most important piece of advice for any employee who has been let go uh, and is looking at a severance offer, I don't care if you're a six-month employee or a six-year employee or a 20-year employee, do not assume that the employment contract that you sign that has a termination clause in it, do not assume that it's enforceable. Do not assume that your employer can actually limit your severance entitlements to what's in your contract. Again, as I was just explaining, odds are that your severance entitlements are going to be uh, more than what's in that contract because the language is deficient. And so make sure if you're let go, even if your employer tells you that your employment contract limits your severance entitlement, make sure that you speak to an employment lawyer. Give us a call at the office. Let's have a brief chat. Let's review the contract. Let's review the termination letter and figure out what's what. If the employment contract's enforceable, John, then so be it. Your employer's going to pay you what it says in that contract. And that's where the story ends. But again, odds are it's not enforceable and you're going to be owed more severance. We see those situations, as in the case of the day, John, we see those situations time and time and time again, literally every day. We're looking at these contracts and finding out that their termination provisions are unenforceable. How about for those who are currently working and the employer decides to uh, slide a new contract their way for them to sign? What's the alarm bells and red flags going up about that? Yeah, it's always, you know, there's always suspicion there when an employer is trying to introduce employment contracts mid-employment. Because the only reason really an employer is doing that, John, they're not doing it necessarily for the sake of the employee, right? Even in the context of a promotion or a raise, and obviously that's a positive thing, right? Obviously the employee is going to want to be accepting that promotion or accepting that raise. But if if in exchange for that raise, if in exchange for that promotion, your employer is asking you to sign the state-of-the-art brand-new contract that's three, four, five, six pages long, odds are that despite all the good things in that contract, there are going to be additional terms that benefit the employer, that give the employer new rights, uh, right, new protections that are going to negatively affect you. And I hate to keep harping on them, uh, John, but it's, it's, there are provisions that we see time and again affecting employees, temporary layoff provisions and severance or termination provisions. Right, your employer presents you with a new empl- employment contract mid-employment and asks you to sign it. Sign it, and guess what? There's a termination provision in that new contract that takes your severance entitlements from a year to eight weeks, or that takes your severance entitlements from 24 months or two years to eight weeks, or to maybe 26 weeks. Right, those contracts could limit employee severance entitlements, or they can give employers other powers that really, really are undermining the bargaining power, the leverage that you have in the context of your employment as an employee. For those employees that are mid-employment, you've been with your employer for a certain period of time, and your employer out of nowhere introduces a new employment contract, and they're telling you, hey, we're revising our HR policies, here's a new contract, or hey, we want to get new contracts in place for all of our employees, here's a new contract. That should be a massive red flag for employees. Do not sign that contract without getting legal advice. Odds are there are going to be provisions in that contract that are taking away your severance, taking away your rights as an employee to dispute changes to the terms of your employment. We see it time and again, John, and it is a killer. And I'm not exaggerating uh, here. We've seen employees lose 
years of severance because they've signed yes. updated employment contracts, and there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it after the fact. You know, it's interesting, too, because people love having paper. They love having proof of everything. But if someone's like, you know, Alex, you know, based on what you're saying, I never really signed a contract when I started working, whether it was a year or 40 years ago. I mean, should I be asking to sign one? Should I be poking the bear or just shut up, keep quiet about it? Yeah, absolutely not. I was, As I was stating before, uh, John, if you don't have an employment contract or if your employment contract is 10 or 20 or 30 years old, let it be. Yeah. Let it be because, again, that is not a bad situation for an employee to be in. You would think, right, and, and to your point, John, you would think that as an employee in that situation, you feel like you know, nothing's in writing, nothing's concrete. They can take something away from you at any time. But no, that's not the case. You actually have the full protections of the law, right? Again, in that default setting of having no contract, you have the full protections of the law to stand by in the event that something happens. So that if there's a major change to your employment, but you don't have a contract, that should be a trigger point. You should be speaking to an employment lawyer. You have rights if your employer tries to force a change on you like that, even if it's without uh, a contract. So no, I would tell those people, you're in a great situation uh, without a contract. And actually, if you're without a contract, keep an eye out. Your employer might ask you to sign Mm, something in the near future, then that should be the red flag, right? So you got to be careful about those situations as well. No, please, those employees are very well-placed especially if they're longer service employees. Maybe it's not mid-employment. Maybe it's a new job. And, and you, as part of getting this new job, you're about to sign the contract. And, you know, in a minute or two, what can uh, what should people be looking out for? Well, listen, you know, we've, we've got to first take a look at the basic uh, at the basic provisions, John. I mean, of course, you know, I've been speaking about termination provisions and layoff provisions and provisions that, you know, allow employers to make changes. And listen, without a doubt, those are important terms. You have to make sure that you understand those provisions. Right, So it's really about understanding what you're signing. If any of it sounds like legalese to you, if any of it sounds very convoluted and very complicated and you're not sure what it allows your employer to do or or what it requires you to do, that should be a red flag. You should understand what you're signing. Of course, then there's the basic principles of, you know, listen, you got to make sure the salary is correct. You got to make sure the benefits are correct. You got to make sure the vacation is correct, your position. Of course, all of those come to an employee first, right? And you're going to look at those provisions first, but don't forget those other provisions. Don't forget the severance provisions. Don't forget the provisions about temporary layoffs or changes to your employment. Those are the big three that we see cause the biggest problems in the context of employment. Make sure you look out for those. If they're not in the contract, even better. And with that, we're just about to wrap it up for Monday. Man, it goes quickly, but we're back here tomorrow and Wednesday as well. So stick around for those shows. And Thursday, you want to call Alex now that we are complete for the evening. Here's how you do it. one 821 5900 The phone number, email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website, which is built and created just to educate you even more, called Pocket Employment Lawyer. .ca with free and anonymous access as well to the severance calculator, which over 2 million of us have used. So check that out. Will you stop by that uh, website again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.